everybody to another episode of The Rise of Jim Carrey. We're so glad that you could join us. I am Dave. Tristan here as well. And uh, have we got a good one for you today. You say that every time. I know. Look, so far, so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, The Truman Show. Wow. I think we've got to start off with our 30 second, uh, no, our, our lift pit. Yeah, our elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. Is it you or me this week? Oh, I f- completely forget. Let's both do it at the same time. <laughs> Makes for great listening. That's going to be great listening for all of you guys out there. (laughs) Bing! All right, got an idea for a movie here. Okay. Okay, you're going to love this one. Okay. Okay, a guy who's in his own TV show but doesn't know that he's in a TV show. Has Uh, been in a TV show for his entire life. Everyone around him are extras. He is living on a giant set built just for him and people around the world watch his movements and watch his life 24-7. Great. He starts to find out what's really going on. This is a really tall building, and this is my. This is me. Bing, greenlit. Great. Anything you need. Fantastic. It's such an easy concept. Yeah. In a way, this movie. Like, I one of the pieces of trivia that I did read is that it's like almost the exact plotline to a short story by Philip K. Dick, and wrote a lot of like a uh, very paranoid man, and wrote a lot of science fiction. And, yeah, when I read that, I was like, I could, yeah, I could see a lot of his work kind of coming out in, like, reality and, like, your perception of your own reality and how you can change reality and, like, how everybody around you may not be exactly who they seem, like, things like those sort of things which kind of ring through all of his work. I remember saying last episode, I was like, this is probably my top five. Uh, and I'm watching it again. I'm like, top three. It's one of those movies that I think about uh, and I know, like, I read a thing there that was saying that, like, from this movie, uh, Truman Syndrome, hundreds of people, like, thought that they were Truman in a reality TV show. And I know everybody's had that moment. But it's just, like, the themes of this movie and how it is done and, like, the imagery that it creates and the way the world has gone since its creation is something that really, like, resonates. I was started writing notes and then I just stopped and just watched the film and just watched the pure enjoyment and the enjoyment of this film comes from watching a lot of people doing their craft very, very well. Yeah. And there are not a lot of films that you come across where everyone is an A player. Like, they really have created a world and where... And I think what's really interesting, and I know this is really getting into your territory, but, like... They sort of go, this is a TV show and then you start watching the TV show and it's like 30 minutes of the movie, the first sort of 30 minutes after the first introduction where you don't go back to the audience and you are just, you are watching the Truman Show. You are watching it as people see it. It's even longer than that because I I timed it exactly to the point where we meet Christoph, yeah, the director, um, and it is an hour into the film, which is, and uh, after that, I think it's only about forty or fifty minutes, so it's just over halfway that we get out of the film. I mean, we 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 pop in and out yeah. of the film with uh, the audience reactions to different bits and yeah. pieces going on, but like even that's there's a long time between that first kind of. Introdu- like you start off like on Christoph, yeah, 
And then you don't see him again till halfway through the film. And it's like, this is my vision. This is what I want. And then you are just watching that vision. And it's, yeah, it's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of films that would do that now. Yeah. Like that would actually like be that brave into just kind of going, no, no, we want, we're going to suck you into this so that when everything goes wrong, it's, there's, a, there's an old uh, theatre director, Maya Holt, and he had this principle that you want to start as far away from where you're going to end as possible so that mm. you have a journey, which Jim Carrey does in this very well. Um, it's, a, it's an acting principle. I think it applies to this film where you start off with like, this, film's gr- this TV show is great, everything's going great, um, it's this huge rating, da, 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 look at these amazing things we've done, and then you've got this huge journey of basically the four-day destruction of the German show, yeah. which is what this film is. And the music. This is the first soundtrack for a movie that I just was like, I just want to listen to this. I, bought, I remember buying the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers soundtrack because it was the Mighty <laughs> Morphin. Didn't. You know what I mean? Um, but then this was one film where I was like, I want to listen to this. And when I study and when I do things around the house, like I just, I, even now, like I put it on and just listen to it. It's... It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I, I, that, that's a big note for me. And one of the, the, the great things about this film is the soundtrack in a few specific scenes in particular. And I mean, they, they kind of make light of the soundtrack in, in the Christoph introduction scene or not in the introduction an hour into the film um they, they kind of play around with that uh, idea of score and and, and kind of emotional ma- manipulation through the score which um is always very interesting the people that wrote the music uh we've got burkhard dulwitz mm-hmm. uh who is an australian yeah so we got to celebrate uh, great australian well, the, talents and peter weir the director. Australian yeah. as well. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Australians working on this film, yeah. so we're, we're... We're good. We're represented, guys. Yeah, uh, well represented. Uh, but yeah, the other person that um, does the soundtrack or bits of the soundtrack is Philip Glass as yeah. well, so they kind of collaborated this, on this one. And this film introduced me to Philip Glass. And they're in the film, both of them, yeah. uh, actually playing it live, which I think is a really interesting point, just getting to the... I know we're jumping everywhere, guys, and I'm so sorry, but they give you a lesson... In halfway through this film about how this film is manipulating you. And it's, it's so funny because then they do pretty much the exact thing at the end of yep. the film with Ed Harris, the same manipulation. And, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, and it, it just kind of gives it an authenticity. And if there's one word that I could kind of sum up this movie with is authenticity mm. and, and the way it is crafted um, to, to create something that is ultimately fake and about this world that is fake, everything has been done to, to make what we're seeing so authentic and I think that's the reason why it is still as relevant today as it was when it came out in 1998 yeah. and why it's been so prophetic in, in what was what is happening in the world today. Yeah. Um, I, I think it took a lot of what the industry, Hollywood, what um, the TV industry was at the time, sh- uh, put a mirror up to it uh, and it is being reflected back now in 2019 in, I think, ways that the, the, the people making this film wouldn't have even 
assumed. Like, like the YouTube. Yeah. The YouTube generation. Like, you know, like it's very interesting that now it's like that's what people want. People do document their whole lives on YouTube. Like, you know. I think the, the interesting thing and the, the big takeaway that I have from this is is everyone everyone is a Truman nowadays with, yeah. with social media, with YouTube. Even if you're not making videos and stuff, you're, you're putting your life out there, if, even if it's just for your, your, your family. But the difference between us and, and Truman is Truman doesn't know he's in a, in a show. Mm. Like, and that's where the authenticity comes. You, we, we have reality TV nowadays, we have social media, we have YouTube, but we're all aware of that and we're performing to that. Yeah. Um, and there's not a lot of authenticity there. And the big difference with Truman, uh, and a, bit, a big point of the Truman Show is he, he's not aware of the camera. So what you're seeing is authentic. Yeah. And that's what people are striving for with following these people yeah. in social media. But that's not what you get because even authenticity in that space is fake because people are, that's what they're putting out. They're putting and out a version of which, themselves. Which is really interesting because if you look at like uh, Married at First Sight, right? Yeah. Which is a show that I love watching the disaster of that show, but I don't really <laughs> like the show. They, one of the most interesting things to watch on reality TV show is when people get truly upset. Yeah. Because when somebody gets truly upset, the first thing they do is walk away from the camera. And they're like, I, don't, I, just, need, I just need a minute. I just need a minute. I'm like, no, this is why you came on this show. This is what you want. But them walking away from the camera is still them... Performing. Performing. Yeah. Like, it, it's, they're not wanting to get away from the camera. They're performing to the camera. Yeah. So they... Yeah. Uh, 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 making themselves look more authentic, even. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. Uh... Let's just really quickly do by the numbers. Yeah, because I think that's. I think it's quite interesting. So this film is made in 1998. Yeah, this film is made four years after Ace Ventura, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think that he's gone from four years. He's gone from Ace Ventura to this. Uh, the director is Peter Weir, as I said, who is from the Depot Society. Um, Picnic and Hanger Up. A lot when I was going through his IMDb, like, I'm like, oh, you kicked a lot of goals, bro. Like you've done really well. The budget for this film was sixty million dollars. Uh, it earned uh, two hundred sixty-four million dollars worldwide, which is uh, fantastic. And Jim got paid uh, twelve million dollars. I saw for this. He took yeah. a, he took a pay cut. Still got $12 million. <laughs> but yeah, he, he took a pay cut for this because he really, really believed um, in this film and, and, and what it stood for. Uh, and I, I want to talk a little bit about the the production of this film sure. as well for By the Numbers yeah. because I, I, I think that's super fascinating and one of the reasons why I, I, I think it is, is such a, a, a great piece of cinema is the, the original script for this film was wildly different to what we've got at the moment. It was set in a fake New York. It wasn't set in a seaside village. It was set in this uh, huge metropolitan recreation of New York and the character of Truman was a lot darker. The film itself was a yeah. lot darker. So it, it, it kind of dealt with him being an alcoholic, him cheating on his wife and a lot of like 
crime and stuff happening around him as well. So that's where the idea kind of got started and it was uh, kind of Peter Weir that came in. It was like, no, let's let's do something a bit different here. Let's change it up um, and kind of went back and, and re-scripted and, and, and reworked the film into what we've got at the moment. Also because they actually postponed this film a year so Jim Carrey could do The Cable Guy and Liar Liar but he still really wanted to be involved and they still really wanted him so they did something that is a little bit unheard of in Hollywood and and postponed this film just so they could get Jim Carrey Um, but it meant that a lot more work could have been done on the script and a lot more thought could be put in which ultimately I think really helped the film. Yeah, original script to cinemas was three years. And yeah, I think that is amazing for them to be like, we want this actor so badly that we will delay this film a year. When they had people like uh, Gary Oldman at one time, name was thrown up to play Truman. Would love to see that film. Reading the trivia on the darker version of this film and then looking at what Peter Weir has done with it, like, is so logical. No, 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 it has to feel fake. One of the interesting things that, that... was in the original one of the original scripts they got car was um like a sexual assault there's supposed to be like a stage sexual assault and that and that the truman doesn't do anything he runs he runs away and then like the actors like judge him on that which i think is really an interesting comment i still think that sort of idea could have worked in this film but the way they talk is like there's kind of no place for it anymore. I think it raises a, a a good point of why would Truman choose to stay in that world? Mm. And I think that's like the interesting change in this is there, there's a legitimate case on the side of of Christoph for keeping Truman in this world and and makes him less of a, a bad guy as such. Yeah. Um, and gives a lot more legitimacy of, of why they're doing what they're doing in this world. Yeah, I find um, Christos' like, final speech to him, it's quite, like, it's quite an interesting take on it, where it's like, just let me look after you. I've made you this utopia. Nothing bad can happen to you, but he can never go back. He knows everything's fake. He knows they're all actors and for the rest of his life, he'd be just like, you don't like me, you know, da 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 So, yeah, but I think him kind of going, you actually have a perfect life. But then also you're an insurance salesman. <laughs> so, not saying, hey, I got nothing wrong against insurance salesman. <laughs> We're going to get angry letters now. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, and I'm sorry. But it's like also like, I was thinking last night, I was like, why didn't they give him an interesting job? Yeah. Why didn't they give him something that's going to stimulate him and like, Make him a teacher or do something that... Because they need to keep him there. But, like, if they do something that is going to stimulate him and make him a, an integral part of that community, he won't feel like he can leave because he needs... Are you to showing uh, insurance is not an integral part of that community? It is. But you can see that he is not interested in yeah. it. Um, yeah. I th- I, I'm just going to jump a little bit. The whole kind of storyline of this film is, on, is based on one actor's impro. Yeah. In one scene, which is Sylvia's dad, or who is just a security guard basically playing <laughs> Sylvia's dad, who just says, Fiji, we're moving to Fiji, and drives away. Yeah. And that changes the whole course of his life. And I just like that little detail is so 
great. Every other time I've watched it, I'm like, oh, okay, they've been defeated. And I'm like, oh no, he's just some guy. Where's something really far away that he won't be ever be able to find her. And that he rings Fiji as well, looking yeah. for her. It's oh. love. I, I, I'm going to have a, a, a quick chat about the uh, the prophetic nature of this film. And like one one thing that I, I really liked, and because and, I haven't seen this film in a number of years, interesting to see where we're at as a society now is that the product placement in this film um, and, and Laura Linney, who is fantastic at uh, kind of selling the selling of product placement. Well, she did. A, she, she studied uh, like 1950s series catalogs uh, for like getting the poses right. And I was like, and you, you, yeah, it's there. Yeah. I think in 1998, it, it was starting to be a bit of a, a, a bigger thing, but it's interesting to see their take on product placement in the, the Truman Show from 1998 to where we are now. And that is so prophetic. I think it was uh, almost a, a bit of a throwaway joke, this product placement. And, and part of that authenticity of like, how do you pay for this product placement? How do you do product placement in a reality TV show is... is the way that they did it is just genius and, and kind of uh, I think grounds um, the Truman Show and a bit of legitimacy there. But it's interesting to see where we've come as a society going from um, something like that to uh, the influencer culture. And it's just crazy that people are actually doing the Laura Linney thing yeah. legitimately yeah. and get paid to do yeah. so. It's like, oh... I've just found this wicked product. You guys should use it. It's super great. Oh, by the way, they just paid me 10 grand to say that. Like, it's ridiculous. And like how that's now have this knock-on effect where people are asking for free products because I have X amount of followers and stuff. But the way they seamlessly... The best part is the, mo- the Mococo. <laughs> Who are you talking to? And yeah. I, was, I was like, that's, the mo- that's a comment for Instagram right there. Who yeah. are you talking <laughs> for? For the media that we've gotten, I think um, it, it's something that's come out of Australia, I believe, but I'm sure um, it's a collaborative thing of, of product placement in in TV shows themselves that uh, I know some of our like, soaps here in Australia, um, there, there's technology where just on the table the, the, the actors will be eating breakfast and it'll be the when they sell those shows onto foreign markets, you can then change the what is being eaten on the table. No. So it could be like cornflakes in Australia and it could be like Cheerios in America or something. Is that really a thing? That, that is a thing and happens all the time. That's amazing. Yeah, in movies as well. So they, they will like digitally alter the show or, or digitally put in different products for a product placement in these shows, which is just fascinating. That's amazing. It's weird. Um, this is a real weird side note, but come with me, guys. Um, so we finished watching this, and then like I tapped the TV on, and Walking Tall, the rock film, <laughs> came on, which is really weird to watch that in this mind space. <laughs> and, but there's, there's a scene where like he sits down with Johnny Knoxville, and they have a drink. And he's like, oh, I don't drink anymore, but I would love a soda. And then there's this great shot of him pulling out of this cooler bag this perfectly turned to the camera Coca-Cola <laughs> and then moves the Coke like closer to the camera and then Johnny like grabs it. He's like, oh, that's great. That's my favourite. And it's nice and cold. <laughs> and, drink, and I was like, product placement, look at that. Like, oh, they got it so right. It's one of those times where I'm like, 
art imitating life or life imitating art? Like I think it's just the the economy of of yeah. art, really. And they're like, oh, everything on the show is for sale. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's that's how you got to do it. And it's the same for any TV show or anything you watch now. Everything is is for sale, and I know there's there's, there's even technology where you can be um, uh, watching on a show, click on something, and it'll take you to where you can buy that product. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm so out of the loop. <laughs> I'm just this is like blowing my mind. The, yeah, there's some interesting technology around, out there around advertising and uh, advertising to people, and that is the goal for for marketers and advertisers mm. at the moment is to advertise to people without them realizing they're being advertised to, because that is going to encourage people to to buy more if if people feel like they're being. Um, marketed to or, or these products are being pushed onto them, they're less likely to buy that product. But if you're almost manipulated into making that decision yourself, that's a marketing win. And, and yeah. that's, that's where we are with and the you're like, oh, internet. I, oh, that product looks really great. We're going to go buy one of them. They're like, ka-ching. <laughs> like, we just made our money. Yeah, and it, it's uh, that that's why the influencer culture has has risen so quickly and so fast and is so lucrative yeah. is is people just look at something and go I want that not realizing that that's an advertisement. And that's the same with YouTube as well like so many people don't realize to what level they're being advertised. Like I didn't realize that they were changing the cereal boxes. <laughs> oh even news at the moment, you, you'll be scrolling through a, a, a news site and click on what looks to be an article, but it is actually an advertisement. Yeah, that's, that's the worst one. And like how they break up news articles with ads like halfway through and you're like, so wait, this product is involved in this thing that I'm reading? Like, oh, no, no, no. And like you've actually like, you've trained, you train your brain to ignore them and just read past them. Like, yeah, that's the world we live in. Which, again, going back, is very Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, like, what they did in a minority report where it, like, you know, like, reads your eyes and then, like, adjusts the ad to meet, like, say your name and to meet you and stuff like that. Like, that's where it's going. Mm. And that's what they do in, like, Facebook where, like, they can take photos of your friends that you've taken and then, like, use them in advertising. I don't know if they do it as much anymore, but they had a period there where, like, they could, like, either use photos of your friends or use photos of people who look like your friends in advertising so that it feels familiar to you, mm. which is terrible. <laughs> well, Facebook's got a lot more problems than that at the moment. A little bit. Little and, bit. That's a, and that's an interesting point, though, like how much information they, are, they would be getting. Like these days, the Truman Show would be all about data, which is actually worth more than gold. It's worth more than gold and oil. Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. Ridiculous. Got off topic there, guys, but you know it's all it's all there. But yeah, yeah, I, I just find it really interesting how how prophetic the Truman Show is and 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 where we've come now. Quite, um, and I mean we've all seen the Truman Show and we're all like we don't want to be that society, but yet here we are. And I think the most poignant thing about the whole piece is like the last line of the whole movie when it all falls apart. He just goes, "Is there anything else on?" <laughs> Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we're so into something when we're being told to watch it and that it's really important. The minute it's over, and, then, and like, you look at Channel 9, right? You look at the way they market, you're watching, like, I'm a massive fan of Ninja Warrior. <laughs> but, like, what they start doing is near the end of the season, they start advertising the next show. Yeah. The, the block or the whatever to kind of keep you on that reality TV kind of cycle. 
sort of thing. They're just marketing to you through, and then they, they start having people in the crowd who are from the other show. And <laughs> I'm just getting really angry at marketing the longer we go on. Yeah, it's a film about marketing, really. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's a masterclass in marketing yeah. within, within a reality <laughs> TV show. This film all comes down to the attention to detail. Yeah. And I feel like this is what you're going to be talking about in your filmmaker's opinion. So like, I think we launch into it. Yeah, let's, like, let's do it. For me, the fact that everybody buys Dog Fancy magazine <laughs> and the fact that the newspapers, like the, the front cover of the newspaper is like when he tries to go to Chicago the next day is, Chicago, why would you go there? Like, <laughs> and it's like a big question. And like when he's in the travel agent, and he just turns and it's like a picture of a lightning bolt going through a plane. And he's like, why would you risk it or whatever it is? This could be you. And it's just like little, little details where they're like, they're mark, they're, the same tricks that they're marketing, they're using as marketing to their audience, they're using on Truman within yeah. the show. Kind of, yeah, and master of manipulation. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think it really highlights how much you are manipulated within the show and within the movie as well like how much like film is and we've talked about this before like it's one of the things I love about film it's like it's a real like a manipulation that everybody is just like buys into yeah like that fourth wall the suspension of disbelief like we love it we love to sit there and be like like Jim and the, and the interesting thing is if you look at it that way like Jim Carrey's an actor playing somebody who doesn't know that they're an actor and that's and that's a really interesting uh, choice, but then like the, his attention to detail, and then everybody else around him, like this, like really crafted thing. You know, then you look at the time it took to make, and you're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, like, I mean, the, this is the the industry that that, that we're in is mm. where we're creating these stories, we're creating these ultimate, ultimately in, in most cases un, untruths, uh, and it's all about the craft that we do that to make it feel authentic to people watching and, and, and experiencing that. And when you come up against films that aren't that, you get pulled out. You call it out. Like you're, you're very willing to to buy into some really crazy stories and really cra crazy films and go on that journey just like this film, but come up against something like The Room or Birdemic oh. that like that craft isn't there yeah. and, and you doesn't feel authentic and you know that you're watching a film then and that's that's where you kind of rail against it. Yeah. It's and uh, like, this might cause some tension between us, but it's like Marvel versus DC. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Marvel, like if you think about it, what you are watching is, oh, imagine if superheroes are real. What would that be like? And Marvel have like hit it perfectly. Where DC still, like they're trying to find their own voice in that, that genre, but like, like, and I'm not a massive fan of Aquaman, but like that film knocked me out and like Suicide Squad like you're just like oh this doesn't this feels weird like this doesn't I can't invest in these people I can't go with them but then you look at like Spider-Man Homecoming yeah which is about a kid who got bitten by a radioactive spider and has spider powers and you're so willing to go with them because of the authenticity that they create within that world of like this kid in high school and he's nervous and he's awkward and he's you know this and that and the other 
And it's what they do in this film as well. Like, yeah, and it, it, all, it all comes down to craft. Uh, and this is probably getting way off topic, but w- w- one of my big issues with with Suicide Squad was uh, one of the reasons I don't think that was necessarily a win for DC is when the trailer came out for that film and was very, very warmly received, they got the person who edited that trailer to then edit the film. Um, which then, craft. yeah, very different craft and, and, and uh, a very different way of doing things. Uh, and that really interrupted the authenticity of that film and why mm. it, it wasn't as successful as it could have been. Because people, uh, if they see things that aren't authentic, they're going to push back. And, and I think what they do so well in the Truman Show is it's that magic trick, isn't it? Where they show you something... And then they explain it to you and then they show it again. But this time you can't unsee it. Yeah. And it's like the, uh, it's like the Mococo. Like the minute you go, oh, there's a lot of product placement in here. All of a sudden all you see is the product placement. Yeah. Or all you see are the actors acting and improvising and, and working against the scene because they, one, are like starstruck by meeting Truman. And and I think that's 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 for me like that's the such a that's the beauty of this film. It's why you go with it because one, a lot of the things that happen to him have happened. You know, like we've yeah. all had that time when you've met someone. You're like, that was a really weird conversation. Like that's pretty much my life. <laughs> but it's a weird conversation. What was that all about? Yeah. And then you and then in this film, it's like because that person is an actor, and like um, Sylvia. The character of Sylvia says to him, I'm not supposed to talk to you and you're talking to me and I've got nothing to say to you because they've, told, they've not told me what to say to you. Yeah, it, it, it's just everything in this film, like the detail of everything and the cameras. And that's what you start doing. You start seeing yeah. the cameras everywhere you go. Even on his ring is a camera. Like, yeah. yeah, and that's uh, like uh, one of my big points that I've got is that the use of camera in this film is just absolutely genius. And again, as to that authenticity of the film is um, 90% of this film, the cameras and the way that we're viewing what is going on is part of that actual world. So we're, we're seeing cameras just like the audience of the Truman Show would be seeing. Like the, the viewpoint that we're seeing is part of the film, whereas normally when you're watching a film, the camera is not part of it at all. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I've, I found really fascinating, I found my family thinking about, is that they would have had to think about what cameras would you use. Like the bit where he reunites with his father, mm. which is like, hey, this is a masterclass in like emotional manipulation of your audience. They're like, go to curb camera eight. Yeah. And I'm like, somebody had to be like, what cameras in this shot on this bridge at night, what cameras would you actually have there? You'd have a crane cam, you'd have a curb cam, you'd have this cam, you'd have... And I was like, but that in itself is the manipulation because they don't have any of those cameras. <laughs> They're putting it through a filter to make it look like it's that camera. It's a guy standing there holding a camera to yeah. look like that. It's genius. It, yeah, you go a bit cross-eyed when yeah. you start thinking about... It's the rabbit hole. You're like, oh! <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really love the use of camera in, in this film. And it's, it's one of these those really nerdy things that I really enjoy about films is when you get directors that kind of use cameras in really interesting ways. And one of my favourite directors is Danny Boyle, mm. who 
always like with his films the way that he uses uses cameras and where the way that he where he places his cameras is always super interesting super unique and it always kind of adds to the story and i think this is a, a good example of that as well of using cameras and angles to tell this story in a very interesting and different way down to even having a camera in a pencil sharpener which i loved yeah and i was like why would you do that but like the camera then becomes the character like a character as well like you know when like he's pretending to sleep when he tries to when he's escaping yeah and they're like what shots have we got and then they're like go back and they're watching the camera and then the camera's the thing that tells them that he's escaped but like Without that camera in that exact location, they wouldn't have seen... Yeah, yeah. And be very interesting to see, um, I don't think they should, but if there is ever a remake of The Truman Show, like how that would be used today. I, I would hate to watch a remake of this film. <laughs> yeah. Like I would... This is one of the only films that if they're like, we're going to remake this or we're going to do a sequel... I would actually write a letter of protest <laughs> to whatever production company was stupid enough to do that. Yeah. Because I'm like, you never, it's been done. You're never gonna, you're never gonna get, and these days, these days, it would all be about mobile phones. Yeah. Like they, using oh, those yeah. cameras, which guys, conspiracy theory, they are watching you. And the cameras as well, there's cameras in there, you're like, you couldn't get a camera <laughs> in that. You know what I mean? Like there's some cam- like the pencil sharpener. Yeah. You're like, and the fact that it spins with the pencil sharpener. I'm like, I loved it. But the cable, the yeah. cable's going to get twisted. It's going to, yeah. Just wanted to talk about like my favorite scene in yeah. this film. And uh, I think one of the best scenes in any film wow. is that the, the Christoph reveal scene, which I just absolutely love and gets me every single time when uh, uh, Truman is, is having his breakdown, uh, starting to kind of peel back the curtain or open the curtain a little bit and then has this really emotional moment with his best friend. Oh, and he's feeding him the line. He's, he's get, yeah. doing this really heart to heart and you as an audience are there, you're with it, you're in that and then it kind of pulls back to see Kristoff is the guy feeding the best friends these lines and he, he um, like it culminates in, in him going, the last thing I ever do uh, would do to you is lie to you. I'm like, oh, so good. And yeah. then builds to the director orchestrating the return of uh, Truman's father. Just, yeah, an amazing scene. Amazing, uh, I think, use of camera, acting, Mm. music, everything kind of culminating in that one scene. Because what's really interesting about that scene is the friend, Marlon, his performance in that is, like, beautiful. Yeah. Because he walks this really interesting line between, I, I think, looking at that performance. Because that was that for me, like, I'm 100% with you. I was like, that is such a, an amazing idea to yeah. go, like, all the way back. But there's this bit where he's, like, talking about, like, you know, like, things don't work out for you the way you thought they were going to. But then I'm like, oh, he's talking about himself as the actor and he isn't having the career mm. that he thought he would because he's still on the show. He's yeah. still playing the best friend. He hasn't gone on to do anything else. And then like he does a lot of like emotional think acting, but then you realise it's because he's getting his lines. Yeah. He's getting cued. So he's like listening and then turning back and he's like doing a like poignant, like I'm, oh, this is a really deep moment acting, but he does it so well. Yeah. And he does, and they do that thing in the movie, which is beautiful, where 
he gives him a line, but then the actor says it slightly different and makes it his own. Yeah. Which I don't know if that was on purpose, but that is one thing that I was like, that for me, I was like, that is exactly it. Like an actor's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to do my own thing with it. I'm going to come out this different way. Amazing scene. Like a truly amazing scene. Yeah. And and just... When, when you look at the, the the structure of the film, we saw Christoph in that first scene, and then it's taken like an hour to get to this this other reveal. Mm. Like we know that it's a show, we know that it's kind of a, a, a falsity because we had him in that first scene, but this is the first time we come back to him, and I mm. think it was just a really interesting way to do it. And then it goes into a lot of exposition that um, normally you would get at the start of the film, but they've taken this long to kind of get to the backstory of Truman, yeah. um, which I thought was a very interesting um, take as well because normally I think in, in, in a, a normal telling of this story, you'd have that at, at the start and how they built the set and what's going on, but it's really we, we, we're with Truman until like this midway point where – we have the reveal of Christoph and then have this really meta interview with Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer, which, which I loved. Brilliant. And like his voice is so good for it. Um, but like, but a, a great way to get a lot of exposition out in a, a very interesting, different way because that's a, a big thing for me with with film is sometimes exposition, I think, is the, the, the hardest thing to get right in film. Yeah where you need to convey a lot of information to the audience. But again, you need to be authentic about it and audiences will definitely pull back if they feel like they're being spoken down to or um, uh, they realise it's, it's, it's exposition and doesn't feel very authentic to the scene that's going on. So it's a very clever way with this Harry Shearer interview to get that exposition of... The, the world of the Truman Show and, and how this show came to be, how they uh, got um, a, a bunch of unwanted pregnancies and, and cast Truman and, and him throughout the years. Very clever way of, of giving the audience that information, uh, but also so entrenched in character as well with um, Ed Harris as, as Christoph, just master masterstroke yeah that's all, all i'm gonna say to that is is yeah it's the magic trick right it's like this is what you've just been watching for an hour this is how they did it and this is how much you've been manipulated just like the audience in the world of the truman show the thing that i found just on that before we sort of jump to the actors up but one of the things that peter weir wanted was that halfway through the film the the screen would go black and a camera that had been placed in the cinema would come on showing the audience in the cinema looking at themselves and then <laughs> cut back to Christoph. Yeah. Which I <laughs> was just like, man, Brilliant. And like, we were like, I was talking to my wife about it and we're like, oh man, 1998, oh, it'd be so hard today. I'm like, now, you could do it in two seconds. Like yeah. that would be like, you just send GoPros out. You know, <laughs> bam, there you go. So Jim Carrey with this film for me is three things. There's three things going on. Film one, everyone in this film is a masterclass in acting. Yep, but in very different ways of acting, and 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 it's it's a real masterclass in. There are no small parts. There's only small actors, and the thing that makes me say that is the bus driver. Mm. Smallest part. Yep, and he comes back with the ferry. But that performance of him saying like "sorry" and just playing that as one actor talking to another one, God, sorry, man, like. I'm sorry. Like he feels and like it's like steals that whole scene. 
And like, obviously, you know, you got Joe Man, like, bus is broken. Okay, I can't do it. But like, it's this him of like this, the look in the mirror at him. And then it's like, I got to apologize. Like, I, I know you want to get out, yeah. but I can't, I'm not that guy. I can't help you. And then like, you look all the way through like Laura Linney and the mother and everybody. And like, there's a lot of actors, what they're doing, which is just beautiful to watch. There's a lot of actors playing actors who are trying to get their moment, like their moment with camera and kind of get that real like moment that's going to be made into the best of real for Truman. It's going to help their career. And like a lot of the photos of them are actually headshots. And the photo that he has of her where the back of it is the actual photo that he's making of Sylvia, Mm. that's her headshot. And it's stuff like that where you're like, these actors are actually pushing their own brand. And they're like, they're, it's almost like the whole show is kind of an audition for them. Yeah. The whole and like that is beautiful because yep. it is done so delicately, and like just the little things about like I think the one thing that Laura Linney does in this, Harry Lights better than anybody is the un like how unsure of her performance she is mm. because she doesn't like Truman, and that's what I think was a beautiful choice. For her to make and for Peter to make and for Jim, like the three of them would have got together and discussed that, but she doesn't actually like him. And it, every time, like she like she smiles, but her eyes and like the way she kind of reacts to him, it's just like that's two actors who are like, I'm I'm gonna be very nice to you, but I don't actually like you. But why the camera's on me? I think you're great. Yeah. And I think that's lovely. And it really comes to play. There's a moment where they're in the kitchen and he says something. Oh, it's, I think it might be the Mokoko bit, which is apparently really um, poignant for me. That bit. <laughs> but she sort of, she says something and then she turns around and her whole face drops and then she puts it back on and it's that real, like, little touches like that is what makes this an ast- a mastercraft and having a conversation with the camera. Jim Carrey in this film, for me, is all about secrets. And as he says... And I feel like one of the things that he really riffed on was, you didn't have a camera in my head, is what one of the last things he kind of says before he walks out the door at the mm. end. Spoilers. And that, and like from the first moment you see him and like him getting the, the magazines and everything, like he has come up with a whole bunch of secrets, which a lot of actors do. They have this secret and they might not even tell the director. They might not tell anybody and they play that secret. Behind the eyes, it's when you look at a lot of actors and you're like, what is going on? Like, what is happening in this scene? It's because they're actually playing a secret. And he plays his secret, which is that he hates this. Mm. And he wants, and like he kind of voices it every now yeah. and then and people kind of shut him down. But the stronger that secret comes, the better he's... Because he's this conflict of like, they don't want me to leave, but I'm leaving. And I have to keep this away from them. And the minute he clocks onto what's going on, that secret like gets jacked up to a hundred and then he is really like who can I trust and that becomes his secret for a while who can I trust what's real what's not Mm. but I have to play this other thing and it's it's beautiful to watch it's beautiful to watch and the third thing I'll say he does a very 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 good job genius level job at showing the difference between a flail of the limbs for comedy and a flail of the limbs for drama. Yeah. And the best way that this is demonstrated is when he gets Laura Linney in the car. And he's like, we're going to go We're gonna go for a drive. Let's go to New Orleans or wherever they go. And he freaks out in the car. 
And it's like he does almost exactly what he does in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, uh, When Nature Calls, in the car, but he does it and all that he changes is the intention. Mm. All that he changes is the intention and the, like, the objective and the secret. And that's all he changes. Same thing and it becomes from a comedy of like, this guy's an idiot to this really menacing like, this guy is out of control and he's dangerous. And what's beautiful about that as well is Laura Linney plays her part of the actor who is terrified because she's actually in danger. Yeah. It's not, this is not acting anymore. You are genuinely in danger. And, and she doesn't want to be vulnerable in front of the camera where he's only vulnerable in front of the camera. And, and, and for me, the fact that she's an actor playing an actor who doesn't want to be vulnerable in front of the car- camera, but to a point that you believe that that actor doesn't want to be vulnerable in the character, and that's real, can't beat it. You yeah. can't beat the performances in this film. And Ed, ha- and Ed Harris is Christoph. Like, his performance is like, I know I've met that director. It's this thing is like, I am God. Trust me, I am the smartest. And my <laughs> wife says, she's like, he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. But the thing that he hasn't figured out is that freedom, people will prefer freedom over safety. I would rather feel free to make my own choices than to feel safe and stuck. And that's what this film is, for me, is all about. And he plays that beautifully. Like he doesn't, he doesn't get the emotional side of Truman. He's like, I've created this perfect world for you. I am your God, pretty much. I'll look after you. And he's like, I would rather, I would rather die on my own terms. Love it. But I still, I, I still think he, he, the character of Christoph, really loves Truman yeah, at the I same do, time. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, fantastic performance given that I, I think he only had like two days to prepare because yeah. Dennis Hopper was supposed to play the role of Christoph and I think worked two days on it before well, he got fired. Well, I read one day and he quit. But I guess I guess that's Hollywood, right? But yeah, I, I would. No, no, he he definitely was fired. Oh, really? Yeah, right. he might he might have said that he quit, but yeah. no, he um, they they uh, I, I don't think Peter Weir was necessarily keen on him, so there was uh, kind of an understanding that if he wasn't happy with what he was getting in the first couple of days, he was out. And I also read somewhere that Dennis Hopper totally didn't learn his lines, and I that know. was another um, reason. Yeah, and this is a film. All about accuracy, yep. I think. And like there's, you know, and because like Peter Weir and Jim Carrey had some conflict as well very early on. And then Peter Weir realised that Jim Carrey could improv really well in character. Like the whole thing where he is the astronaut with yeah. the soap, all that's improved. Because uh, he did another one. Because they were like, oh, we just want you to come and do something to the camera. And this is the, your end line. Do whatever you like. Um, and there's another one where he like made himself like a curly haired girl in a dress yep. and stuff. And they obviously went with that one, but like he just like let him go and he's like, Oh, you're very good at improving within your character. And he is. Like every film he does, every all these improvs are like so true to the character. Which is a which is a skill to like do that. I think um a a very interesting point in his career here as well, especially mm. with how how this film ends with him opening that door, doing the great line of if yeah. in case I don't see you good afternoon, good evening, good night, stepping through that door and leaving the Jim character Jim yeah. Carrey that we've had for how many films now B- behind. 
seven. But but the, this is a, a very conscious. Actually, it's probably not a conscious thing, but I think looking back on it, and I, th- I think Jim Carrey has said as such, mm. this is him kind of leaving behind the superficial, I'm just trying to make everyone laugh, I want everyone to love me, guy behind, into what is going to be a very interesting couple of weeks, um, yeah. looking at some of his more serious films. That being said, we still get the funny guy, but I think yeah. this is a bit of a, a conscious... It's a, different, it's, a different, it's a different type of funny. Yeah. It's not a, like, a laugh at me. It's a laugh at the situation that this person is in and how they respond, which is a very different way of playing a joke. Instead of like, Ace Ventura, laugh at me. Mm. Truman Show, laugh at this situation. This is a guy having a mental breakdown on a reality TV show that he doesn't know is a reality TV show, you know? And I also think this is a point where where Jim Carrey, like this is... Truman um, taking control of his situation, but I think this is also Jim Carrey taking control of his career and having a lot more say on on where he's going and the types of stories that he wants to tell. Well, this is it's a really interesting point on this. I watched a, an interview with Jim Carrey the other day and he talks about this film as being a, like a real turning point for him because this is the film where he had these... There's these two really big critics, uh, film critics in yeah. America, and when he did Ace Ventura, they were like... That guy's terrible. We'll never see him again. He, like, what a terrible film. They actually did a formal apology on their show about him and said, sorry, we completely misunderstood you and what you were going for, this is brilliant and we apologise. And they've never done that before. And he was like, that meant more to me than every award, every standing ovation that these two people were like, we got you wrong. We get it now. We get what you're doing. Yeah. Like, as an actor, you can't ask for more than that. <laughs> for somebody to turn around and be like, sorry, you're brilliant. My bad. 100% love this film. Would recommend it to everybody. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, definitely one of my favourite films. Mm. A, a, a real thinker and one that definitely stays with you long after you, you've finished watching it. Very enjoyable to go back to it many, many years later. Going from, like, I was quite apprehensive about watching this film again, even though it's in my top three, because it's like Lid Liar Liar. Like, you go back and you watch it, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and we're looking at it a very di- a different lens and in a very different way through this podcast. And I just went back and I was like, yeah, yes, I love this. I love it. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in for this one. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the rambling <laughs> journey, which was this episode, because I loved talking about this film. Yeah. Um, we will be back uh, next time with uh, Man on the Moon. Yeah. Which, again, oh, beautiful film. Um, and we'll see you guys then. If you want to find us on Facebook, uh, the thing that we've just been <laughs> bitching about for the last hour, <laughs> please do at dandel underscore fun or you can find us on Twitter at dandel.fun. Leave us a comment. Uh, even leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you are streaming this service. Uh, and we will see you next time. Guys. See yeah. ya. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yeah.